1: draft miss to you thank you for joining us today my name is Kent Swanson this is the AP draft show and uh it is the third episode of the year it is the first episode after the combine Jake find him on Twitter at Jacob Morley my my co-host here we both
2: went to the
1: combine Jake
2: how 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 was that experience for you it was awesome it was a lot of fun we it was cool because we went in different capacities this year like You went through Arrowhead Pride. I got to go with Packer Report, Um, but it was really cool. It was kind of funny, though, too, because obviously I'm still doing work for Arrowhead Pride as well. So, like, asking the guys questions, I thought it was funny because I was getting weird looks from people because I was very much asking them, like, what would it be like to be a Kansas City Chief? And then they would answer the question, and then I'd be like, have you interviewed with the Packers? <laughs> like, He's like, oh, like
1: are, is he gonna go is he gonna go through every team? Like, are up. we just gonna sit there? Is he gonna ask every single one? Have you
2: met with the Panthers? <laughs> yes, no. Uh, and you find out really quick at those podium sessions that media can be very petty and they don't like it. Not that we were doing that, but you can definitely tell some people that like they were rolling their eyes, like, oh my gosh, really? You asked that question. Like, I got work <laughs> to do here, I got stuff to do, I gotta talk to this guy. Like, and you asked him like, whose Netflix account you work for or, or you use or whatever. Yeah. Which actually is really cool. People have been... I don't know if you've seen that stuff, but there's people I, yeah, that are I, going I, around asking, like, who's Netflix. Uh, Stow, Stowbridge or whatever is based from UNC, 3% of the people at the Combine three, uses Netflix <laughs> Netflix account. Three, <laughs>
1: I want to know, I, I, I hope he didn't, inter- I hope they didn't interview more than like 33 people for that, because like if one person has Jason Strowbridge's account, I'm doing the math there, one divide, you know, by, by 33, but if it's more, that, I feel bad for Strobridge. Um, but me and Jake, we were out there collecting quotes, we got, all. Kinds of quotes from prospects on what it would be like to be a Kansas City Chief. And you are going to find all of those and all the ones we were able to collect at the Senior Bowl in the KC Draft Guide, which we are full force working on right now. It's been it's been crazy behind the scenes. Um if you if you want to pre-order the, the draft guide, it releases April 6th, you can go to gum.co slash KC Draft Guide 2020. Promo code LIV will get it to you for eight dollars and fifty four cents to celebrate Super Bowl fifty four. Uh, we've got so much stuff in there. I'm so amped for this thing to release, but we still got a little bit of work to do before that. We got plenty of draft prospects to talk about here as well. And what we want to do, since it's the first, you know, first show after the combine, what what we thought we would do is we're going to go position by position and pick one player who's Whose performance in the combine and leading up to this process has affected the Chiefs' draft position? You know what what they can do, what they're able to do, um, you know, in certain rounds and whatnot. So um, we're going to go ahead and go, uh, you know, position by position. We'll bring in Matt later for some. We'll bring in Craig a little bit later for some. But we're going to start with Jacob Eason at quarterback. And the reason I want to you know mention Jacob Eason is, you know, I think all Chiefs fans are wanting more quarterbacks to go in the first round. You know, you've got the the four that are pretty pretty near locks. You've got, you know, you've got Burrow, you've got Tua, you got um Herbert, and you got Jordan Love. Those guys are pretty good locks to go in the first round. There's been talk about Jacob Eason Maybe creeping into that first round conversation, maybe being drafted ahead of the Chiefs, help push more talent down the board. But Jake, it's not feeling based on some of the vibes, the performance of the of, of Easton at the Combine and some of the things you hear behind the scenes with his interviews that he really did much to help his draft stock.
2: And yeah, you're right. And every year it seems like there's a quarterback that's kind of in that conversation of like, the last guy that might slip into the first round. And I honestly feel like it is teams like Kansas City, you know, in those last, those kind of those later round guys that want someone to fall, that kind of fuel and stoke those fires a little bit to talk about, you know, Easton might slip in there. Have you heard about this Easton kid? You know, he's pretty good. You might want to take him at pick 29. And so I don't think, I don't think he's going to make it into the first round this year. I think you have, um, really, four guys and Easton's kind of that fifth guy. I think there are going to be four guys that go before pick thirty-two. But, For sure, um, I don't think Easton will be the fifth one, especially with, especially with you know these guys moving around in free agency. Like Bridgewater a free agent. Brady mm-hmm. might be moving. Philip Rivers might be moving. So uh, there might be teams that are less willing to take a huge home run swing on a developmental prospect like Easton in the first round. Um, and like you said, I, I think the buzz about Easton at the combine was pretty much confirmed everything we knew about him. Um I heard he did really well in as far as like in his meetings and stuff. Um but we expected that. We know he's got a huge arm. We expected that. Um what what he really could have done to help himself is tested better. Um but unfortunately for him, he kind of tested like we we thought he would. He's kind of a statue pocket passer guy with a huge arm and that's that's what he is. Um and I don't know if teams really want to take that high. Right.
1: Uh running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of LSU. A guy that, if you've been listening to us talk the last couple of months, we're very you know, high on. I think what's interesting about Clyde Edwards Hilaire is he was actually, if you look at his relative athletic score, which is you know, an athletic testing metric that we use for the KC Draft Guide to help us kind of formulate our opinions on athletic profiles, he had one of the worst athletic profiles of the running backs in the draft class or in the combine group. Uh, he was 22nd. Uh, with his athletic profile and kind of underwhelmed a little bit, ran a four six forty. had some good jumps. You know, he had a good 39-inch vertical and a good broad jump, didn't run the agilities. I think some people are probably curious why. But I wonder, you know, I don't know if Edwards Hilaire helped himself immensely, which I think is interesting because maybe that gives the Chiefs an opportunity to get value with Clyde Edwards Hilaire on day two, Jake.
2: Yeah, and he's another guy too that I don't think surprised anybody with his testing. His agilities are going to be big. Um, that'll help his RAS, his relative athletic score quite a bit. Like, I don't think he was expected to be a guy that teams expected to be shot out of a cannon. And so, and he wasn't in the 40 yard dash and, and you kind of see that on tape too, that long speed's not really there. He's more of the short kind of make you miss in a phone booth type guy. So his, his agilities are going to be big because I think if he has those good agilities, he's going to be right firmly back in that second round conversation. Um, but if he doesn't, that's going to be big for him because his, because his Ras score is is really bad. Or not well, it's yeah, below average. It's pretty it's a bad. below average grade. It was it and, was below average by me- and by and their measure. And that's not what you want from a guy that's five seven. You know, a guy that's already on the short end of the stick there. So uh, his protea is going to be big. But as where it stands right now, yeah, he's he could be there later for the Chiefs if they're interested in someone like him.
1: I, I I hope the league overthinks that. I really do. And I think they I hope, you know, if there's a tiebreaker, they're going with better athletic profiles because I would love Clyde Edwards Hilaire in Kansas City. Uh if they can find him at a good value. I don't you know, I don't I even even sixty three, I don't know if I feel great about, but we'll see. Um, even though I think he's worth the sixty third pick in the draft, you know, broadly, but I just I don't want the Chiefs to take that approach. And personally. I don't think
2: teams are gonna overthink because that was kind of the pushback right away is when he ran, is this wasn't anything that nobody that nobody didn't expect. But like I said, agilities are going to be king here with him.
1: Yep. All right. A wide receiver who I think, you know, we've even suggested possibly being in the mix for the chiefs in day two at, uh, is Denzel Mims out of Baylor and good on Denzel Mims for having an outstanding, uh, you know, performance at six, two, two, uh, six foot to 207 pounds. He ran a 4.3840 with a 38.5 inch vert, 16 reps on the bench, 131 inch broad, 6.66 second three cone, 4.43 second short shuttle. Outstanding performance from Denzel Mims. And I don't think there's any chance now, Jake, that Mims is going to be available to the Chiefs at pick 63.
2: Probably not. And Mims has really had a good process, too. He had a really good week at the Senior Bowl. Um, he's a guy that that I still do go back to the tape, and his grade for me has steadily increased. Um, there are still some deficiencies in his game. I thought watching him at Baylor, um, but then he comes out and plays really well. He was like the he was kind of the darling of the Senior Bowl week, and then he probably is one of the top three biggest winners from the combine as well. So yeah, I think you're right. I don't think he's going to be there uh, late second round at all. I think you're talking his his ceiling. Might be thirty to Green Bay, honestly. Like you've seen him mock there now recently. Um, I think that might be a little rich for him, but he's definitely uh, put himself in that conversation in this loaded receiver class.
1: You know, uh, we we gotta go talk to the talk about the tight end position now, and it doesn't seem like uh, a ton of dudes really separated themselves from that tight end group. But one thing we wanted to talk about and kind of notate, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to pronounce this. It's a Missouri product. Tight end, Albert Kuwe Boonham. I think I got it. Someone put the pronunciation guide in the rundown. Thank you, Jake.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to write you out. I was like, yeah, that's definitely the pronunciation. But, yeah, <laughs> affectionately known as Albert O. And he is someone I that I don't think – if tight end was or is in the Chiefs draft plans – you know, he might be a guy sitting there on day three that the Chiefs were interested in. Um, so I guess how that could affect them is just because he, he ran so dang fast. And he might have kind of put himself in a position to go maybe a little bit earlier than the Chiefs are willing to take him. Because um, if the Chiefs come back and watch the film, uh, it's... I, you, you, actually, you know what? You see a 4-5-ish guy on tape if he's running in a straight line. But I think there's a reason that's all he did. Yeah, that's all.
1: That's all he did at the combine was run the 40, and then he just shut it down the rest of the process. Smart.
2: Good on. Good on him because I think he's not a guy that uh, can move laterally very well. I think I, I. think I said this in the DMs today because I just watched him today, and I said if if there was a definition of linear athlete in the dictionary, it would be a picture of Albert Okuebunum.
1: What a job there by you, Jacob. Uh, We're going to take a break and we will be back to talk to Matt Lane about the offensive and defensive line right after this.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs
1: All right. We are continuing on. We are now addressing the offensive and defensive lines with our dear pal. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. How are you, my friend?
3: I'm doing good. It's it's nice to be here with both of you guys. Since you guys went gallivanting off on your own to the combine, didn't invite Craig <laughs> or I. So now we're back all together again as a group, and it just it just feels
2: right. Gallivanting, yeah, happen. There was lots of gallivanting. Good word.
1: Yes, I I know what that word means totally. Um, let's go ahead, Maddie. I, what I want to do is talk let's talk about the tackles, the interior offensive line, the defensive line, prospects that um, that helped their situation and how or hurt their situation, how it affects the Chiefs draft. So we're gonna start on the at offensive tackle, Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State. Maddie, you were mad last week that we didn't mock enough tackles in to the first round of our mock draft. Well, Ezra Cleveland is announcing his presence with authority. He could be like the seventh tackle taken in this draft, and he might wind up all the way into the first round.
3: Well, okay, It was smart of you to get ahead of my tirade about our lack of offensive tackles going <laughs> in the top ten, but we'll leave that for our next Damage control. Ezra Cleveland... We had four in the top 11! Ezra Cleveland, top 16. Ezra Cleveland... <laughs> Was one of the most athletic combine performances you have seen out of an offensive tackle just about ever. Like he's right up there, rivaling what Colton Miller did a couple years ago. And if everyone remembers, Colton Miller ended up going in the top half of the first round based purely on this athletic upside. I don't think Ezra Cleveland's going to get himself up that high into this draft class. I don't think that the offensive tackle class as a whole is weak as it was that year, but he's definitely pushed his name up there to almost a top 50 lock. And the thing is, his film on the field is good. He's very steady. He's very technical. He is a good player. The athleticism shows, just not elite-level athleticism. And for the Chiefs, this is great news. Get this guy off the board before 32 push somebody else down they don't need an offensive tackle that bad right now if somebody wants to jump up and grab him in the top 30 picks,
2: you got anything to add, jake nope that's uh i haven't watched ezra yet he's i th- so this is going to be completely from like uh someone who hasn't watched him and just heard about him but wasn't it like before the combine people were talking about him playing guard right and now yeah he he tested so my question is what on his tape led you to believe that he potentially might be a guard. Did this athleticism not show up on tape? I I don't know if I
3: understood the guard talk either. I don't think he looked like he was the longest offensive tackle. So if your whole reason was the arm length argument to go to guard, I make sense. To me, his functional strength was my biggest question. So I think putting him inside would have probably made that a little bit worse. I liked him at tackle. I just thought that he was steady and solid, nothing splashy or dynamic. Now, I did find out coming from the combine, he played all year with a turf toe injury. That may have made a little bit of an impact. He said that it didn't really get reported because he just had to play through it. But he said that he played all season on a turf toe injury that could impact him. I thought he still looked like a good athlete. It's just I don't know what the whole thing that was holding up his tape was. I need to go back and watch his 2018 tape to see if that injury hampered him more than I thought it did.
2: And I need to watch him too because the Packers actually. So, speaking of teams before the Chiefs, the Packers actually have very similar needs to the Chiefs in this draft class, especially when you look at that inside linebacker position, um, looking for a team that might take someone that well, could be there for the Chiefs at 32. Um, but a guy like Ezra Cleveland, watch him, you know, what happens with Brian Bulaga. If he leaves, that skyrockets offensive tackle to a huge need for Green Bay. So, a guy like Ezra going 30 overall. Uh, to Green Bay could really, really be uh, something that could really help the Chiefs out at 32, especially if that knocks back like a Kenneth Murray or a Patrick Queen. The uh, the
1: hit rate on offensive linemen to run sub-4.5 short shuttles is very high. Ezra Cleveland, I believe, is the only person in this class to hit that threshold. All right, let's move to the interior offensive line now. And a guy that we got to see at the Senior Bowl, Matt Hennessy, out of Temple, he really helped himself along this week too, Matty.
3: Yeah, and Matt Hennessy, like you said, after the Senior Bowl, his stock was already on the way up. I think more people got to see him. They got to see how fluid of a mover he was. He was essentially, I think, what everyone thought Nick Harris was going to be, a very athletic, probably a zone scheme only interior offensive lineman, but he has a good enough anchor, good enough base, the general baseline size. That he can play in the NFL. You have questions about that with guys like Nick Harris. Matt Hennessy came out to the combine. Not only did he move very well, he still ran a 5 1 8 40 time. He had a good three cone at 7 4 5. The shuttle was 4.6. He had a good performance, but where he really stood out was in the drills. Once they got out to the field work, you could tell that he moved on a different way in a different way than some of these other interior offensive line guys. Matt Hennessy's probably going in the top 64 picks at this point in time now and if the Chiefs want him this is a popular mock draft pick for Chiefs fans in the third round going through this whole this whole process here no you're taking him in the second round if you want Matt Matt Hennessy maybe even earlier
1: yeah if you want if you want him it's got to be pick 64 um, it there's just there's no doubt about it and the the interesting thing is second best short shuttle on the day uh for the offensive lineman, was Matt Hennessey. It didn't meet that 4.5 threshold, but it certainly was the second best performance of the week.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, Jake, uh, so, so do you have anything, Jake? Not really. Uh, just that. Just basically to echo and kind of piggyback off of what Maddie said. Um, it looks like that, that that 64 pick is kind of the sweet spot, I think, for a lot of these interior offensive linemen, and I think that's headed up by Matt Hennessy And I think he kind of grabbed the reins of kind of that second tier interior offensive line type, so that's probably uh, if they're going to snap him up, that's probably where it's going to need to be.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to add that I think Caesar Ruiz is still the very clear number one interior offensive lineman, especially if you're looking at a center. I don't think he did anything to hurt his stock and he moved very well too. But Matt Hennessy's probably got to be center number two right now. And if you're looking at interior offensive lineman as a whole, he's got to be there in the second tier with a couple offensive tackles, guys that are kicking into guard. So like, if you want an interior offensive lineman, Matt Hennessy, I'm not even sure you can wait till 64 if you're going after a center because after him and Caesar Ruiz, I think there's a big drop Drop off at center if that's your plan
1: yeah I mean there's still guys like Keith Ishmael that you can get to maybe a Lloyd Cushionberry, some of those guys but they might even be pushed down like maybe closer to that third round range as well all right let's close this out uh Matty with defensive lineman Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma
3: so the first two have kind of been guys that maybe helped the Chiefs by pushing some other guys down with Matt Hennessy, we talked about how they might have to take him a little bit earlier than before Neville Gallimore is the opposite. I think he was a guy that a lot of people saw that could slip into the first round based on some freakish athleticism. And that showed up in his 40 time. He ran a blazing fast 40 time, one of the better ones for defensive tackle and got a ton of pub for it. But then he ran the agility drills, didn't do his explosive testing, which was strange given his athleticism. But after the 47940, he ran almost an eight second three cone. He ran over five-second 20-yard shuttle. Those are bad numbers for a smaller athletic pass rushing defensive tackle. I don't think there's going to be a big urgency to take him in the first round. You kick out that third defensive tackle that was fighting to get into the first round, a position that Chiefs probably aren't looking as heavily at. That just puts another player. Hopefully it's just a trade out for Ezra Cleveland, but that just puts another player at a position the Chiefs may need going in the top 31 picks.
2: Yeah, and I loved I loved Big Nev's tape. Uh, he was the guy that graded it out for me really well. And when you ran that 40, you were like, oh, my goodness, here it goes. Like, here it comes. And then it was like, he, I mean, he just fell off a cliff. Like, which is weird, right, to kind of, not to go off on a tangent, but, like, these numbers were really interesting this year at the combine. And there's been a lot of buzz about guys standing around all day, like what's going on um, with these guys having to run, then wait an hour, then do something else. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure – if, if Nev is someone that is going to be able to rebound at his pro day, but pro days in general this year, I feel like are going to be a lot more interesting to pay attention to just because I think there's a lot of guys out there that weren't pleased with their combine performances and maybe weren't pleased with the setup of the NFL combine. Um, and they're looking to rebound. And I think Neville Gallimore is one of those guys that could potentially be uh, in that boat.
1: We've, uh, we've, we've got one of those guys that's definitely going to have to retwe- retest. when we talk to Craig. Uh, But no, I, I totally agree with everything you guys have said so far.
3: Yeah, and the one other thing I just wanted to add for Gallimore, I don't think the process since the end of the season has gone great for him. At the Senior Bowl, he was good, but he was no. clearly a step below Javon Kinlaw. He was in a, he was in the next group of guys down. He didn't stand out anymore. I would say Marlon Davidson was better in his one day. Strobridge was just as good. Mm-hmm. Like He did not impress at the Senior Bowl. He had the same issues that he flashed on tape at the Senior Bowl. He was kind of a one-move guy that struggled to transition moves together. If this athletic testing sticks... Bottom six percentile in three cone, bottom two percentile in 20 yard shuttle. If that sticks, that's probably why he can't count. It. He literally plays two out of control to change direction in the middle of a play. Right. That might be a warning sign. So, yeah, you can kiss that first round hype for him goodbye, in my opinion, after the combine, unless something changes at the Oklahoma Pro Day.
1: That is Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, thanks for joining us, bud. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys, and I've seen your beautiful faces again. We move on from one handsome man to talk to another. Find him on Twitter at barleyhop. Craig Stouts. Thank you for taking a little bit of time out of a hectic life that you live right now to to talk some draft prospects with us.
4: Yeah. Uh, when are we introducing the other handsome man? Uh, there, there's got to be somebody else coming along. It's not me. I'm is it Jake? Up. Jake's here. Jake's
2: here. Uh, Jake.
1: Jake is here. I'm
2: Kenny Willickus is
1: here. What?
2: <laughs> is
1: here. Um, Man, I've
2: never I've never played with that big of a chip on my shoulder <laughs> no
1: no he Kenny Willikus, his favorite player is the C the Central Michigan version of J.J. Watt that was a walk-on hashtag adversity
2: have you seen the new subway commercials with the Watt brothers
1: no the I have Riga, not
2: real, <laughs> the well, the well, is Kenny favorite. Willikus in them as well he should have be. been <laughs> I
1: mean he's he's basically he's he's basically a JJ. Watt clone, but not nearly as good and not as interesting. uh okay, let's go ahead and continue to talk about the edge position though. We've got a another player to talk about that uh his his performance affects the Chiefs. uh AJ Epinesa, the edge out of Iowa has had better days. Let's just say that um he tested very poorly. At the, uh, at the NFL Combine. Kind of alarming, honestly, how bad it was. But what does that mean, Jake? Or what does that mean, Craig? Sorry.
4: Uh, it probably means that he's going to fall to 32 to the Chiefs now. Uh, AJ Epinesa is a very good player. Matty wrote an article about him. Uh, this doesn't change my desire to add AJ Epinesa to this team. Him across from Frank Clark would give the Chiefs one of the better edge tandems in the nfl but it's really concerning how poor of a combine he really had he had a 5.04 second 40 yard dash that's awful But potentially even worse is the fact that he had a 5.04 second shuttle as well. Just a completely awful performance all around. He wasn't explosive. He wasn't fast. That's not necessarily his game. So it's not something to be super concerned about. But the NFL is definitely going to raise an eyebrow at that. His bench was poor too. 17 reps. Doesn't really have strength. You It didn't show strength it's just one of those things that I think that a lot of NFL teams are going to really question what AJ Epinesa really is, but he might fall to the bottom of the first round now.
2: Yeah. And it's interesting too, because we talked about him in the DMs like a month ago as a potential guy that would be like a dream scenario pick for Kansas city. And it used to kind of be the joke is like, what would you do if Epinesa was there at 32? It's like, well, I'd sprint that card to the front, you know? And It's not, it shouldn't really be any different now. Like, he did not test well. And I think you try to dig into that a little bit. But if you go back to the tape, like, this is a very good football player um, that, especially in that 4 3 scheme that the Chiefs uh, deploy, like, I think he could really, really be a good fit there. And that is a pick, as a team, as a fan of a team, not the Kansas City Chiefs, that would be a pick where I think the rest of us would be like, arms up, like, really, NFL, you let this happen? Like, you let this happen, they went and got a stud like that at 32. Um, So I think that that's something that I think could really be exciting for Kansas City.
1: As as someone who values athletic testing at the edge position, I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. A.J. Epinesa, his tape is probably top 20, maybe even a little bit better than that. Obviously, there are some concerns with the athletic testing. Maybe this isn't a guy that he's gonna go to the combine or go to his pro day, test a little bit better, you know, up his stock a little bit. He had an underwhelming poor athletic profile per relative athletic score. Um, the good news for him though is, regardless, his three cone is still seven tenths of a second faster <laughs> than Jalen Ferguson. you just couldn't let that go. Never. You- you I, let see that here's go. the thing it's like I, I last year I was team like you know not a, no athletic testing you know you have, you have you have to be a good athletic tester that's what I value this one's a little bit different especially since I've seen like I've got a year experience watching more stiff more linear edge players have success in Steve Spagnuolo's schemes because like I used to hate stiff uh pass rushers but now I I don't care as much and.
2: Because they won you a is, Super Bowl. They won the. They is, won a freaking Super Bowl. It is weird though because athletic testing does matter at that position, 100%. like massively. So we're saying AJ is an exception to. the He's world. an outlier.
1: He's an outlier, and you know, it, you know, Jalen Ferguson was not an outlier. Outlier. He was a bum.
2: Even though he he had more more collegiate career sacks than AJ did, but
1: yeah, but that doesn't get you anywhere. Linebacker. Let's move on there. Malik Harrison out of the Ohio State University. And, Craig, it's a guy we got to see at the Senior Bowl. He might have helped his draft stock a little bit this week, though.
4: I think he helped it significantly. Watching the college football playoffs, Malik Harrison had arguably his best game of the year against Clemson. He actually looked pretty good in coverage. He looked good reading between the tackles. He's a smart player, and I always thought that. I just thought that he was pretty limited athletically, Against Clemson, he looked a little better. Then we got to see him in Mobile, and frankly, he looked awful. He looked stiff. He he looked like he was having a to process too much. He took a big step back in my mind in that regard. But then he comes out of the combine, and he tests through the roof for his size. He weighs almost 250 pounds. So Steve Spagnola, you know, is listening immediately. Runs a four six six explosive, and had a six point eight three three cone time that's really good for linebackers that's it was the it, best it was the best in the group best in the group and they had some freaky athletic players now some of those guys didn't do him Kenneth Murray didn't do it Isaiah Simmons didn't do that but he was the best of the group that tested I honestly I think what you're probably looking at is a player that's closer to what we saw in that Clemson tape and then you know, we'll just kind of go from there. And if that's the case, Malik Harrison should be high on people's radar. Jake, what do you think?
2: Oh, sorry. um, I was taking a nap. Were we <laughs> talking about inside linebackers? Um, yes. Oh, well, they don't matter. So <laughs> I don't know why you're talking about Malik Harrison. The Chiefs just won a Super Bowl with dudes that are going to be moving boxes for UPS in two years. Why? Wow. Do you care? You put stop Matt, talking put, about
4: my son Reggie Ragland <laughs> like that. A- put
2: a- Maddie a- Lane. Put Matt out there at inside linebacker. You'll still win a Super Bowl. They're fine. A- they don't need to they don't need to invest anything, anything top one hundred in that position. I I
1: tend to agree with you. There's a couple players that might tempt me on day two. Let's just let's just leave it at that. Malik don't Harrison, do it. really I would really?
2: I would rather dude score one hundred. Take a receiver at that pick instead of Mike hey Harrison.
4: Jake, uh, do the Packers need an inside linebacker?
2: I don't want one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't take them. I'd rather have. I'd I, honestly, I would play anybody there. I really don't think it matters. I don't want to pay Blake Martinez ten million dollars. I don't want to pay anybody any money. Give me a rookie. Give me someone out there that has some speed. I don't. I really don't care. It, it's not going to be. Uh, it's not going to be the difference. No team is one inside linebacker away from winning a Super Bowl. I'm sorry. He's not wrong. The Chiefs already won one. Look at the. Chiefs. I mean, good good lord. The Chiefs, the Chiefs who have maybe the worst linebackers in the league, just beat the team that maybe has the best.
1: Yeah, you're not wrong there. Patrick LeVon Mahomes, though.
2: All right, let's move on right. to the cornerback position. That's my whole point. You're not a linebacker away. You're a quarterback away. <laughs> the Chiefs aren't. The Chiefs are there. Don't waste Pat. Pat can't throw a touchdown to an inside linebacker
1: well he can but he hasn't yet and he never will because pat doesn't throw enough pick sixes for that to matter cornerback we're gonna move on and we gotta pour one out for our guy cameron Dansler from mississippi state craig because
4: he really hurt himself this week he arguably hurt himself worse than any player at the combine. We talked about how effortless Cameron Dansler's speed was. And we talked about how he was a slight guy. You guys mentioned that you stood in front of him at the combine and he was small. Like he yep. was really thin. I I just think that he <laughs> he needed to bulk up a little bit for the combine, which he may have done, but in doing that, he was one of the slowest linebackers that was out Cornerbacks. there. Cornerbacks. cornerbacks that was or out line, there or he ran he, he was ran also like one a of the linebacker. slowest
3: linebackers
4: he ran like a linebacker and he wasn't explosive like there was so much that Cameron Danzler should have been able to blow away this event is set up for him to show up and impress because he's that kind of athlete And he just didn't. And then on top of that, he came in with shorter than expected arms. Like the entire week went about as poorly as it could for him. He went from guy that was a fringe round one guy to maybe a round three or a day three guy. We'll just kind of have to see how this shakes out. But you're going to have a lot of NFL teams that aren't going to want to touch him just because you've got questions about work ethic. You've got questions about his overall athletic profile. There's just a lot of questions about Cameron Dancer now.
2: Yeah, I have no, th- I have no thoughts and opinions on Cam Dancer other than looking at him live. He is, he's, he is. It's startling how skinny he is. He made the comment to me when I was talking to him uh, that he's like, you know, I'm a competitor. I don't care if I weigh 155 pounds. I'm gonna go out there and compete. Like he specifically said, 155 Why? pounds. Why that Why? number? Why that number, Cam? Because have you played at that number? <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, he, he's he disappeared behind the mic stand. Like he is a very skinny man. <laughs>
1: It's 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 really concerning for me because you see Cam Dantzler, he shows up at 188 pounds, and he runs terribly, and he does not look like the same kind of athlete you saw on the football field. How much weight did he put on for this? What was he playing at at Mississippi State? Was it 155
4: pounds? It might have been. (laughs) He told
3: us. Even if you split the difference, 170. Like what? That that's not gonna work. That will not work.
1: He. He really hurt himself, and I, you know, a couple things. I don't want people to think that we're just dismissing players because of their athletic testing, but this is one of those benchmarks, and this is one of those key pieces of the puzzle for cornerbacks that really
4: matters. Long speed matters. If you've run a four-six or higher, you have a two percent chance of being a functional NFL cornerback, not wow. a high-level one. A Functional one. If you run a 4.64 or higher, you're basically done. Bashad Breland is one of the only guys that has run that high that actually became a functional NFL cornerback. And this is over the course of a decade when the game has gotten faster and faster and faster every year. Bashad Breland is still clinging on to that, but this isn't a situation where that number is okay. Even if you've got safety help over the top, you cannot be that slow and function in the NFL. Especially if you're going to be so slight. You know, it's just, it's. Yeah, if you're a heavy guy that's just going to press a dude and he wants to press, he's very physical and all that, but he's just, if you weigh 188 pounds, you're going to get bodied. Right. All right, last one. Safety Jeremy Chin out of Southern Illinois. Did he put on a show, Craig? Ooh, buddy. Yeah, we talked about how Juan Thornhill was a freak tester last year, which he was. Jeremy Chin basically had more or less Juan Thornhill's numbers only two inches taller and 20 pounds heavier. Like, he is built like a linebacker. He's 6'3", 221, and he moves ridiculously effortlessly you see it on his tape his click and close his ability to transition from shallow to deep is just effortless and he was playing against a level of competition that frankly wasn't that good we got to see him in mobile and we got to see that he is you know he's the part he can he can match up with all these guys at this level and then he goes to the combine and he just outdoes them in every single category jeremy chen may have been going pretty high beforehand but putting all these numbers on the board, he's going to go super high. Maybe early round two at this point, even with that level of competition, it's hard to ignore what you can do with a chess piece that athletic.
2: It's He's like, you know, so last year there was Nasir Adderley, right? And he's like the anti-Nasir, who I really liked out of Delaware because I thought Nasir's tape was, was better than Jeremy Chin's, but then he came to the Senior Bowl Didn't really play that well. And then he went to the combine, didn't really test that well. And so Jeremy Chin is kind of the opposite. So these FCS guys, it's tough. That process is so huge for them and him coming out and just absolutely dominating it. Um, He's a guy that's really interesting for me. And I think like another guy you can throw in that range is like the Kyle Duggar as well. That big freak, lower level guy that, and I think Duggar gets a lot of talk, right? But I think Jeremy Chin probably is a better football player. I think
1: I'd take Chin over Duggar right now, if you ask me. And one of the funny things, Maddie, Maddie threw out the idea the other day. We're just spitballing. He threw out the idea of playing Jeremy Chin at corner, because I mean, from a testing perspective, I mean, it doesn't, it it doesn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt to try. I mean, and especially with a guy with that length, with those ball skills, with that athleticism, with that physicality. I don't know. I don't know if I hate that idea of trying to move uh, Jeremy Chin to corner. It, it might be a little bit of a stretch. I'd like to see what his, what his agilities look like. But, man, I, I don't know if I hate that idea. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the AP Draft Show. We will be back with the AP Laboratory on
3: Monday. We'll catch you later. Later.